Every decision they make can have an effect on our lives. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. I never told anybody to lie, not a single time, never. Today, our fellow citizens, our way of life, our very freedom came under attack. America's not the same as it was 100 years ago. The violent mayhem we have seen in the streets and cities that are run by liberal Democrats. This is Our Lives in Politics. With your host, Booker, and co-host, Lou Basada. Welcome back to the program on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Wherever you are right now, make sure that you download the app while you're listening. Go to either one of the Play stores and download America Out Loud Talk Radio. My name is Booker Scott. Thanks a lot for joining us here. And I know so many of you have concerns about finances. All we hear on the news almost every day when we turn it on is the economy. It's going to be a recession. We've heard it for two years. We keep waiting for it to come, but is it going to come? Uh, We've lived through the highest inflation in 40 years. We have the highest personal debt ever in the history of America at $17 trillion. 60% of us are paying our bills or a portion of them with credit cards and with savings. And guess what? Mortgage rates are now inching close to 8%, which is a decades high number for that. So you can almost feel that there is a collapse coming, but is there? I don't know. I'm not the smartest guy here. In fact, you, you know that I claim to be the dumbest person on the World Wide Web. So let's bring someone in here that's actually smart and has been doing this a while and hopefully can guide us through a segment here about the finances and about the economy. I'm talking about Joe Lombardi with Iron Hawk Financial. Joe, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Booker. Tell me just real quick your gut feeling about this economy. Is it going to crash like so many people think it is? I mean, there, every once in a while, you see some good news, like the GDP recently was at 4%, but then you turn on the television and everything seems to be negative. Yeah, I mean, I don't claim to have a crystal ball. Um, I just take a look at economic factors um, that happened in the past, and it's looking like uh, we are on track uh, almost uh, verbatim to where we were in 2007 heading into 2008. Um, I like to take a look at the automobile market and repos are over 1600% over last year, which is the highest repossession number in histories of repos. Um, We had uh, baby daddy daddy Biden printing money in Mm -hmm. uh, the twenties, handing it out to everybody and people were home during COVID and they were bored. So they were looking at their vehicles, they were looking at their homes and they were like, Hey, I want a new car. And during that time, the plants were closed, so nobody was building new cars. So there was a a short supply of vehicles. So that's why we saw the demand for new vehicles shoot through the roof, the demand for boats, uh, because that was open air water uh, and people wanted to be free. Uh, We saw motorcycle sales through the roof. We saw SUVs. Uh, sales through the roof. And what happened was they were selling at insane premium. So let's say a car is 50 grand. Well, they were selling them for 75 yeah. and people were gobbling them up. Um, and what happens is now people realize as inflation has been kicking our butt as Americans, uh, price of everything going up and income not keeping pace. Sure. People look to cut their toys, their Corvettes, their bikes, their uh, boats, um, we're seeing a lot of Dodge Chargers. Uh, we're seeing a lot of the not necessary cars that you would think an average American needs to get from point A to point B, but a fun toy. Sure. So 
those are getting uh, non-payment because the vehicle, let's say, bought it for 50, you know, or excuse me, the worth of it was 50, bought it for 75, and now it's worth 35. And they're looking at a loan of 62. And they're like, my loan is double the value. I'm not paying this. So people are trading them in. And, and if you look historically, the car market is the, is the head of the snake, meaning as we see repos go up and we see the car market go down, the next to fall after the car market, which I believe the car market is falling very quickly, is going to be the housing market. We can't sustain a housing environment where the values of homes are 100% over you know, value three, four years ago. We can't see a 8% environment on a double cost of a house, right? Yeah. The monthly payment on a 3% compared to an 8% is almost 80% more for the same thing. Then you multiply that by double the value. Now you're talking about a house that somebody could afford at $3,000 a month. Uh, they're now paying $5,400 for it. So there's, they can't afford that. And What's going to happen is, again, like the car market, supply and demand is going to kick in like everything in life when it comes to economics. And we're going to see that the demand for new homes is going to cool down some point in the near future. And when that does, the prices have to fall. And when the housing prices fall, the car prices fall, the next after that, historically, is a stock market. And so I see a new election down, you know, heading down uh, our, our path Sure. Uh, in the next 12 months, right? It'll be election season, 11 months and three and a half weeks from today. So when that comes into play with that housing market going down, with the car market going down, with a war in Iraq, with a war in Ukraine, with BRICS trying to take over the petrodollar in the, in, in the world, uh, there's nothing on the economic horizon that says, yay, things are going to be better tomorrow right. than they are today. Yeah, it's not a cheery time, is it? No, and then you have people who are making, in my opinion, foolish decisions. They're buying a bunch of gold and silver. They're buying, uh, you know, they're moving everything to no return assets. They're putting everything in cash. But I mean, just recently, we saw the banking system fail. We're seeing people not getting paid just, you know, a few days ago. I don't know if you saw on Friday, if you went to TikTok or any social media, there's thousands of videos saying, hey, I didn't get my money. And then I found out that my mortgage company, Mr. Cooper, they got uh, hacked and there's a ransom on them and 4 million people can't pay their mortgage. So we are seeing war, not just from people coming in with guns and bombs, but we're seeing war on a level of, uh, you know, online targeting um ransomware malware and it's not going to get any better with uh the world that's happening around us right now you know joe a lot of people want to build a bunker and they want to put food in there and they want to protect themselves you mentioned gold a few minutes ago a lot of people want to buy gold and silver and tangible things and you're not an old guy but you started in this business really young and you have a lot of experience and you kind of specialize in making sure people are protected. What does that look like for your clients? Yeah, I tell my clients the same thing. I have 1,600 clients over a billion dollars in protection and rollovers. Um, I tell them get guns, get bullets, get, uh, you know, a freezer, pack it up full of meat, uh, get, you know, dry, dry food. Um, 
because what people's logic is, oh, if our currency doesn't uh, hold up, whether we're taken over by World War III, which we're getting into World War III, and let's say we lose it, right? I don't think we will, but let's say we do. Now they're like, well, if I have gold and silver, you know, um, I can now have more value. Well, historically, when a new currency comes into play, just because you have a tangible asset, it could be real estate, could be a vehicle, could be gold and silver, it's transitioned to the new currency. So it's not that I have gold and silver now, I could, I'm better off because of it. All you did was just sick your money in something that's not growing well, that is high fee to get in at, high fee to get out of. I'm pushing a lot of my clients in what's called FIAs, fixed index annuities. These things have been averaging 14% a year. And when you take a look at the safest place for your money, it's not gold and silver, it's insurance companies. Why am I so confident with that? Well, the companies I represent have been around since 1848, 1847. I'm a broker. I have access to hundreds of carriers, but I only use the best strategies for my clients. These insurance companies survived the Civil War. They survived World War I. They survived the Great Depression. They survived World War II. Never uh, went back on their promises. Never lost money for a single client in 175 years plus. So when you look historically, the best place to put your money is not the bank. It's not holding in cash because now you're getting smoked with inflation eating away the value of your dollar. It's to put it in insurance companies, believe it or not, historically. I watch a lot of financial news and it looks like nobody is buying our bonds anymore. Hmm. No one is buying American bonds and, and that's a concern. Oh, it's a great concern. They're, they're, they decided we are going to, when I say they, I mean bricks. Uh, they, they've decided that the, the dollar's worthless. We're printing money and spending money like drunk sailors. It's a fiat currency, right? It's in God we trust, but it's really like in, in corrupt politicians we trust. And the, the, the world is saying, look at the United States, right? We, we rape, we pillage, we murder, we take. I love my country to death. I love America. I just don't like our warmongering politicians who take our tax dollars, send them overseas to murder children and women. So that has been going on for God's century. Yeah. So the these, these other countries, you can't blame them. They're fed up. They're like, this is, you don't have to police us. We are our own people. You, you try to push your beliefs, push your capitalism, push. And again, I'm for capitalism. <laughs> 1000%. It's better than any other uh, developmental society in my opinion in history um however there's still flaws with everything and these other countries are saying we're done we're done with your sanctions we're done with you you know uh bullying everybody and policing everybody so they're all banding together which is not good for us it's really not and if you look historically we were the the big guns that came to help out you know uh europe and help out different countries during the world war one world war two uh, you know, situation. Who's the big gun that's going to help us out? I have no idea. <laughs> it's not there. <laughs> there there right. isn't. There isn't one, is there? We're being yeah. left high and dry right now. Yeah, we are. And, and uh, other other than insurance that you mentioned, what what other things? And and you also mentioned food and guns and ammo. But other than all those things, what what is something else that? you would suggest that people do to protect themselves financially. Is there anything else? Of course. Yeah. The, the number one thing is to build a financial foundation for your family and that's using overfunded life insurance. And that can be found on Forbes articles. If you just Google rich person's Roth on, uh, on Google or Bing, 
and you type in rich person Roth Forbes, there's two really good articles uh, written that the I do and advise what my clients to do, what winners and wealthy people do. If you want to lose weight, do you listen to the fat person or the thin person? If you want to get rich, do you listen to the broke person or do you listen to the rich person? Um, if you want to play basketball, do you listen to the NBA player or your neighbor who stays on the couch all the time? So I took that principle in the last 20 years and I found that the ultra wealthy and the rich, they don't pay taxes, right? We heard Donald Trump have that famous uh, speech with Hillary Clinton, you know, she's like, you don't pay any taxes, Donald. And he's like, I just use the the, the loopholes that you right. are the ones that put in the IRS code that you give to your wealthy friends. So that right there tells you there are loopholes out there. So why isn't everybody aggressively looking for them? <laughs> so I teach my clients about the loopholes of how to legally build a tax-free retirement account. That's what my books are on Amazon, one called Being Your Own Bank. The other one, there's a better way than a 401k. My third one will be out in a couple of weeks about long-term care. But it's all about teaching you how to be self-sufficient. Being your own bank is the most vital thing you can do when taxes increase. It's the most vital thing you can do when the market collapses. It's the most vital thing you can do if you need liquidity, right? What most Americans do is they invest with the government, 401ks, IRAs, SEP, simples, pensions, deferred comps, 457s, 403bs, 529s. Those are the worst long-term investments, in my opinion, because they're high fee. They're 12B1 fee, class A share fund fee, money manager fee, annual account fee, right? So you have Wall Street stealing 3% of your money annually, which comes out to like 50% of your money over a 30-year period plus. Then you have the government that lets you write off a dollar today because you think you're actually getting something, right? What is it called? It's called tax deferral, right? So if I'm watching an NFL game and you lose the coin toss, you defer to the second half. That means you still got to kick the ball off in the second half. You still have to pay taxes yeah. in the future on that money. You're not getting anything. So you're actually paying more money because the, the value of that dollar is going to grow. Taxes, we what do we owe? $33.5 trillion. I think it's actually $33.7 yeah. trillion dollars to the Fed. I just looked at it a couple minutes ago. And we also owe another $260 trillion and U.S. unfunded liabilities, Medicare, and Social Security. If you add that all up under the taxpayer, not the not the um, citizen, but the taxpayer number, comes out to $2 million that every taxpayer owes the Federal Reserve. How are they going to get that? How does the government make money? Oh, yeah, taxation. So why are you going to defer your taxes where you're going to be paying a higher percentage? Here's a fun fact of the day. What was the highest marginal tax rate in the United States in the 1980s? The answer to that is 70%. What was the highest marginal tax rate in the United States in the 1960s? 91%. We are in the second lowest tax environment in between World War I, World War II, and the Great Depression in U.S. tax history. Taxes are going to go up. And when you defer your money, you're going to be paying a higher percentage on more dollars. So I save my clients millions of dollars per client by building a legal, liquid, non-market correlated, sue-proof, divorce-proof, tax-free asset. And that's what the wealthy people do. Hey, Joe, if you're going to talk to some guy out here, someone listening to this program right now that is just a hardworking guy, just starting his savings, uh, just looking to his future, what do you tell him to do right now? 
Step number one, get out of debt. Debt is slavery and taxes are slavery. So the first thing you need to do is get out of debt. When I work uh, an hour and then somebody else takes my hour, that's the definition of slavery. So if you have debt and you borrow, let's say $10,000 and you're just paying the minimum payment, on average, you're gonna pay 30 to $40,000 back for that $10,000. To me, that's slavery. That means I borrowed a dollar from you, I gotta pay you three, $4 back. So number one is get out of debt. I've turned down so many clients that are like, Joe, I wanna invest with you. I looked you up, you're five-star rated on Google, you're A-plus rated on a Better Business Bureau. You're telling me you got accounts that can earn 15% tax-free, 14% taxable, different companies offering different strategies. And I'm like, I would love to invest with you, but you have credit card debt at 29.99. I can't make you 29.99. I can't right. realistically to get close to 29.99. So why are you going to give me the dollar to invest for you or any investment guy or insurance guy or financial planner or whatever name they want to give themselves? Why would you give them the dollar when that dollar should be going to paying off the debt? Yeah, because once they get the debt paid off, then they come to you. And then what is that step at that point? Let's let's say that guy is listening right now and he doesn't have debt and he's ready to get started. Where where do you where do you tell him to go? Three months liquid. So you need to make sure you have a oh my god fund. It's mm -hmm. my ran over a nail. I got laid off. My mom's sick. My animal is sick or just got run over, right? Things happen in life, unfortunately. So if you don't have that emergency fund, what over 60% of Americans do not have, and you and you are debt-free and you have a, you have a, a safety net, then we sit down and then we yeah. say, okay, what's your assets? What's your incomes? What's your goals? What are you trying to achieve? And I ask simple questions. They may sound silly, but they are so silly not to ask. Do you want your asset to be tax-free or taxable? Yeah, do you, you want to have access to your money? Or do you want to tie it up for decades? Do you want to make sure if something happened to you, the money's still going into the account if you were disabled? Do you want to get long-term care? Do you want to make sure if you pass, especially if you're the breadwinner and you're married and have a child or, you know, you're just married without children, but your wife is a lower income, she's a nurse or a doc or, or a, um, a teacher. I see that all the time because I work a lot in the blue collar industry where the, the, the husband's the breadwinner, they use the, the, the wife for the health benefits because that saves you know twenty thirty thousand dollars a year in health insurance costs. And, but if something happens to the husband, that's 80% of their, their income. They can't keep the same quality of life they have. Their kids can't go to the same school and play with the same friends in the neighborhood. They lose their home, they lose everything. So, and then where do they end up going? They don't go to a great place. They end up going to, you know, poor housing or, uh, you know, there's drugs, there's uh, crime. So if you build a quality of life that you are happy with and it's sustainable, protect it. Yeah. It's not that hard. And use different codes and use different IRS strategies and investment strategies to build yourself a foundation to make sure that four things are guaranteed to happen to you. I'm either going to live long. I'm going to die early. I'm going to have a sickness, injury, illness that prevents me from working, disability, or I'm going to need long-term care. Well, my strategy does is when you're going through that emotionally distraught time, there's a financial benefit to protect your family so they can grieve without saying, oh, I lost my husband or I lost my wife and now I lost my house and now I lost my, my kid's school. And that, it, it's a snowball where you do not want to be in. And unfortunately, I witnessed it firsthand. My father owned a construction company, J.B. Lombardi Builders. 
He fell three stories off a ladder, lost a multi-million dollar construction company, had no disability. My mother died at 52 years old, cirrhosis of liver. She was an alcoholic. She had no life insurance, crippled me financially and emotionally because I was her only yeah. child. And then my grandmother had a stroke, inherited my grandfather's estate, Lombardi Masonry. She was in a nursing home for seven years, $4 million gone. So she had no long-term care. So I built this strategy, finding the best companies out there, the highest ratings, the, the most secured. And I can confidently say in 20 years, I've never lost a client a dollar in 20 years. I never charged a client a dollar in 20 years. It's taking a look at that strategy of protecting your family, saving millions in taxes, and making more money than a normal 401k could. You're listening to Joe Lombardi. Yeah, the name of his company is Iron Hawk Financial, and I always struggle on that, don't I, Joe? Iron Hawk Financial is the name of it. And, Joe, real quick before we wrap up here in this segment, could you tell everybody the name of those books again and also tell people how they can reach you as well? And then I want your thoughts on do you think the recession is coming? But but go ahead with how people can find you in the name of the books first. So my first book on Amazon is called Being – your Own Bank by Joseph Lombardi. It's $4.99. If you guys want it for free, just reach out to me. Go to my website, fill in contact us. Um, I'll send you my books for free. Um, I, I try to make them free, but Amazon and Kindle won't allow that. They're ebooks uh, because they need to t- take the first 100 copies and free. They don't want to post them on their website. My, my second book is called There's a Better Way Than a 401k by Joseph Lombardi. Um, my third book, which will be out in a couple of weeks, is Pay for Long-Term Care Now or Pay for It Later. And again, I'll send you all three of those books in PDF form if you want them for free. Just go to my website, fill out the contact us form. They're yours. Second question is how do you find me? You go to www.ironhawkfinancial.com. There has my business cell phone. Uh, you know, my business cell phone is 203-815-3673. You can definitely text me, reach out to me. I'll say it again. It's 203 203- 815-3673. Um, and then, you know, like I said, the third way is just go to my website and there's a little contact us, fill out the form. Uh, I'll reach out to you. And whether you want a, a meeting, which is free, whether you want to uh, get a copy of my book and research it, I'll even send you a YouTube video, a 30 minute YouTube video on my whole presentation. Um, and to answer your question, are we heading into a recession? I think we have been teetering on a recession for the last three years. Yeah. The only it thing feels, that feels like it. Yeah. The only thing that's been keeping us out of it is the government just keeps printing money, keeps printing money, keeps printing money. Um, I've been watching the usdebtclock.org for years now. I've been telling my clients about it for 10 years. It's a ticker that's going around New York City for the last 20 years. And um, it's going up faster than I've ever seen it. Uh, we're spending, we're printing money on a level that more money was printed in the last 24 months than in the last hundred years before. So we are going to see a recession. There's no doubt about it. You can't print us out of danger like they keep doing. And so I believe a recession is definitely coming. Well, thank you, Joe. Appreciate you joining us here on the program. You're welcome to come back anytime you want. I appreciate you, Booker. I hope you have a wonderful evening. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness.
Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. The Wellness Company's chief medical board designed every supplement and medical protocol with your health in mind. From groundbreaking supplements like the Spike Support Formula to unique care like Freedom from Big Pharma. Join a healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interest of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be, with a company that shares your values. Go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced? These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system to keep our bodies free from harmful bacteria, viruses, and toxins become less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. How can you improve your odds of staying healthy? The answer is stay healthy with Cofix RX. Who's got time for a cold, strep, a flu, HRV, RSV, or COVID anyhow? Cofix has some great news. Besides being featured as a top five product in the drugstore news, we completed the protocol that you've heard Dr. McCullough talk about. Cofix RX is already famous for a powerful virus hostile nasal solution, and now we have a throat spray too. Crush those nasty germs before they become a problem. With known antiviral support ingredients like povidone iodine, xylitol, and vitamin D3, you can feel a little safer. For a limited time, when you add the new Cofix RX throat spray to your order, you'll receive 25% off the entire purchase. Just click the Cofix RX banner on the America Out Loud website or store. Be sure to use promo code OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Don't forget, OUTLOUD25 at checkout. The buildup of spike proteins is dangerous to your health. Global Healing's foreign protein cleanse detoxes your body, removing the spike proteins, allowing your body to repair from within. Formulated by Dr. Edward Group and by Dr. Brian Artis, Foreign Protein Cleanse targets and detoxes spike proteins in the body. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. Oral hygiene hasn't changed in 50 years, but our diet and the way we eat has. Creating an environment in your mouth for bacteria to wreak havoc on your teeth and gums. For better oral health, get Spry Dental Defense, an oral care line designed to combat acid-creating bacteria. The toothpaste, mouthwash, mints, and gum all contain xylitol, a natural ingredient shown to dramatically improve oral health. Spry can be found online and at all fine natural retailers. AmericaOutloud.news is beaten to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, troubled, misled, joyful, and thankful. We know you because we are you. 
Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. Sometimes when I think about the state of our country, I think about those cartoons I would watch when I was a kid. Specifically, I recall a Model T with the wheels wobbling going down the road after some calamity, and the wheels would just fall off, the car hits the street, and it stops. Well, we now have a president and a former president with their own special prosecutors. We even still have a prosecutor in John Durham that's investigating Hillary Clinton all the way back to 2016. The Twitter files have revealed our own government agencies and our politicians have weaponized the media to silence opposition. And in some cases, even silence some for just asking simple questions. COVID and the vaccines have been a big part of that censorship. A big part of America Out Loud Network is getting health truth, COVID truth, and vaccine truth out to you so you can make informed, intelligent decisions. In a few minutes, we'll welcome John Baudouin, to our lives and politics. He's developed a way to pinpoint vaccine deaths from state death certificate data. But before we go there, let's take a trip back about 10 years, back to 2012. You remember the cake baker in Colorado that refused to bake a cake for a gay couple based on the baker's religious views? At the time, it was a big story, it was huge. It eventually made its way to the Supreme Court and just recently, the same baker refused to bake a cake for a transgender woman. We now have a Supreme Court justice that can't even define what a woman is. Or maybe she's just too afraid to because of our woke society. From baking a cake for a gay couple to our woke society we live in today, we've come a long way from political correctness in a short time. Now the liberal left has hijacked the gay pride movement. And you should know a lot of gays and lesbians, they're not happy about it. They're afraid the gains that they've made for all of these years for simple rights like health insurance and marriage could be in jeopardy as the LGB community watches the LGBTQIAA++++ whatever all that stands for as they advocate for transgender children, puberty blockers, drag queen story time, and bathrooms for both sexes in public schools. The LGB says enough is enough. And in just a couple of minutes, we're going to bring in a couple of people from that LGB community that feel like their movement has been hijacked. My name is Booker Scott, and I'm the host of Our Lives and Politics. Thanks a lot for listening. And my co-host and producer is Lou Pozzotta. And I know Lou and I, we have similar thoughts when it comes to this. We believe everybody should live in freedom and liberty. What you do on your own time is up to you. And I know, Lou, you think like I do. Absolutely, Booker. I do. And thank you very much. You know, someone's preference is none of my business and I could care less. Um, I'm going to think about them the same way as I would anybody else. I respect them. I'm going to love them as I do my neighbor. And that's just the way I am. And I think that's the way it should be. But uh, definitely, um, when you start targeting the children, though, that really upsets me because I have three of my own and I do not want that um, indoctrination stuff, uh, you know, projected toward them in any way or form. And I think that's where the line is crossed when you when you go to the kids. I know if I look at myself 
at five or six years old, I was worried about making a mud pie and literally eating the thing. And now we have people that say five and six-year-olds can make a decision on who they will be as an adult at 25, 26. And I believe that's the part that has the LGB part of that movement, the gay pride movement, afraid of what's happening on the far left. And let's bring in our two guests now. We have Mel from California. We're going to go with first names only, uh, just for their protection. And Harley from Pennsylvania. Guys, welcome in to Our Lives in Politics. Well, hello. Thank you for having us. Yes. And Harley, let me ask you, because you're, you're very outspoken on social media. And if you want to, you can tell everybody what your handle is on Twitter so that they can follow you. But you heard that opening there. Is that reflective of the way you personally feel about what is happening to the gay movement right now? Well, to begin, you can find me on uh, Twitter as Ultra Gay Biker Dad. And uh, this is very much uh, reflective of how I feel, uh, as well as um, I have many other issues with the LGB mentality of today. Uh, I do not feel like we are an oppressed people. I feel like we were. That is no longer the case. And all of this wokeness uh, has crossed many lines. It's not just the children, but that is probably the most desperate line, sir. And you bring up uh, oppressed. Who is saying they are oppressed now in the LGBTQIAAA++++? And let me mention that all those pluses and all those extra letters are so when they determine something else they want to be, they can just add it. Am I right or wrong on that? Pretty much, yes, sir. <laughs> I'm ready to start using that as my secure password for banking if it gets any longer. <laughs> um, but um, so it is, uh, it is, well, it's the LGBT um, saying we are oppressed and I disagree, but it's also the LGBTQAI++, which is a lot of straight people who are inventing gender identities to shoehorn their way in. And to the younger gay crowd and lesbian crowd, I want to sit there and say, you don't know what oppression is. You don't know the terror of losing every friend and every family. Coming out when we were in junior high, high school or uh, college could be a, a death sentence. Uh, not literally, but, you know, you would be absolutely ostracized. And you could stand to lose your whole family when we grew up. And they do not see that today. The, you know, everybody sits there and waves rainbow flags and goes stunning and brave, stunning and brave. And, you know, especially to the older gays and lesbians who actually lived through the worst of the oppression through the 70s, 80s and 90s. I want to sit there and shake them and say, you remember what it's like. We are not an oppressed people anymore. Yeah, there's a few homophobic bigots out there. And they're not all, you know, the white Christian male. Uh, that the left loves to demonize and say is our greatest enemy. Uh, statistics would prove otherwise. Uh, but they, it, it's, 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 it's astounding to me, sir, that there yeah. are people in this day and age sitting there when we are overrepresented in TV, when we are idolized, and when we're every corporation for the month of June throws a rainbow flag logo up and it's in schools. Show me the oppression. Where is it? Amel, do you have anything to add to this part of the conversation? Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with him. I mean, when are we oppressed? I mean, we crossed that line when gay marriage came into effect, right? And what is it that we're fighting for? And I think that they are pushing a movement that is to the degree of um, wanting to be the one and only um, accepted group. 
if, if that makes any sense. And um, it does. Yeah. yeah. It, and it's crazy. I mean, and then you're going to start talking in, you know, about the transgender. That's a whole other, other issue with uh, puberty blockers and so forth, but we're not oppressed. I mean, I'm, I'm 56 years old, perfectly happy. I don't have any discrimination. I've not been discriminated against in many, many, many years. And I'm sure Harley can speak to the same thing. So where is the oppression? And it is the white, uh, actually the white uh, females of the world that are really buying into this uh, uh, QIAA uh, alphabet soup uh, agenda. And Mel and Harley, um, Harley, real quick. Is it the white female heterosexual? Liberal? Oh, absolutely. And nothing, yes, 100%. Uh, nothing, nothing upsets me more than a ally, straight white woman who is wagging her finger in my face, telling me what she knows about being gay. And then when it, com- when it comes to transgender and the things that we see in schools where we have same-sex bathrooms in schools, uh, you know, you remember Loudoun County, Virginia, where a father uh, got taken down. That happened in a school board meeting, by the way. And his daughter had been raped, and he was upset about it. And he, she was raped in a same-sex bathroom. It seems to me that none of this makes any common sense. And from, Harley, I'll ask you, from a gay guy who's about 40 years old, does it make any sense to you? No, sir. It makes no sense whatsoever. Um, You know, this really speaks to the left, because if you look deeper into that, they silenced the father and they silenced the girl. And it really just makes you wonder on the left, whose side are you on? You say you stand for women. You say you stand for gays. You say you stand for trans. But you're constantly throwing us under the bus for each other based on some sort of oppression system that nobody understands. Because it really doesn't exist, does it? And that's what both of you guys are are telling me, that the oppression for the gay and lesbian movement has been over for a while. I would agree with that, yes. Yes, it has been. And when we get to the the transgenderism with children, a lot of people say that it's grooming. And the same thing for the drag queen story times at public libraries. There's that whole movement that is getting to our children. And it's uncomfortable for me. And I wonder if it's uncomfortable for you guys. It's extremely uncomfortable. And I think Harley and I have talked about this on numerous occasions that, you know, aside from the the uh, transgender movement and the drag queen storyteller hour, um, many times we've discussed the fact that when in history, uh, or, or I should back up, when are you going to take your child to a strip club? I mean, it's no different. And why do they think that it's okay for some man dressed in a woman's uh, attire, shaking his, you know, whatever at a young kid of five years old who's sticking a $5 bill in his um, G-string strap. You know, I mean, I don't understand this at all, except for the fact that it kind of goes back to, they want to be the number one all-encompassing gender. You know, they, they want to be number one. They want, they want everything to revolve around them, if that makes sense. Is it a play for attention? Um, I don't know if it's attention. I think it's just this whole entitlement. They, they, they want to push everything on you. And we, we can talk about the, the uh, baker that refused to bake a cake for the, the gay couple, right? I mean, I'm not going to go to, I'm Christian. I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm a conservative and I'm uh, a lesbian, right? 
but I'm not going to go to my Baptist pastor and say, you will marry me. So why mm -hmm. should that be any different? I understand where, where he is at that point, and I'm okay with that. So it's like they want to continue to push this to be accepting when, in fact, what it does, it reverses their acceptance. And I come from a place that if you allow people to love you where you're at, to, to understand who you are, you get much more, much more acceptance, you know, in that arena versus trying to push it on someone. Well said. And, you know, in, in, in the opening, I talked about that cake baker in Colorado. And it, and it seems like that every time an inch is given, they try to take a yard. And, and eventually, the pendulum will swing back. It'll swing back, but it would never swing back as far. And we see this over and over and over again. And I guess from what I hear from guys like you, Harley and Mel, that you're worried that that pendulum may swing so far back, it could get into the rights that you've worked so hard for through the years. Well, yeah, and I'll let Harley speak to this too because he's, he's very knowledgeable on this. But again, like you said, swinging that back so far to the damage of what they've done mostly to this younger generation, right? So when you're talking about, aside from just the gay community itself, but what about the the permanent damage that you've done to these kids, their minds, their bodies, uh, you know, the chemicals that they've been given. I mean, there's it goes much more into to that aside from just um, hijacking our community to where we feel like we can just be uh, normal, right? If there is a thing called normal, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it's it's really. I, I feel for me, anyways, that I don't even. Um, frequent those events anymore because I feel like I, knowing who my friends are, uh, the people that I do know in those groups that I feel judged now. So it is hijacking me because I don't feel like I can be open because when they know my stance, um, they just think I'm a wacko, you know, and how I'm just against trans and I'm against this. Well, no, I'm not against the real trans people, but I'm not for trans trenders as we call them. And, mm -hmm. um, Harley can speak to that. Yes. Well, when we're talking about the societal pendulum, we have definitely seen these swings happen before. You know, there was the stuffy Victorian era where men couldn't show their bare arms and women were in, uh, couldn't go out without hats on and 30, late in, or 30 laced boots. And then it swung into, you know, the roaring 20s and women were cutting their hair short and wearing short skirts and dancing on the tabletops. And then we swung all the way back and, you know, you had to kneel to see if your skirt touched the floor. And then we've been progressively moving to a liberal society pretty much since the end of the 60s. So, yes, these happen. Um, and we swing back and, you know, the longer we stay in one and the more someone tries to keep the pendulum on their side, the more violent the swing happens. So I am very worried about that. I'm very worried, not just for the gay community, but for a lot of community, the whole of our society, whether we're looking at this <laughs> through the lens of our race, our religions, our sex, sexuality, and gender, um, going sort of to the more pressing question um, about, you know, the, the, the far left and everything. I think that a lot of people need to understand that, well, first off, you know, gays, lesbians, bisexuals, our gender identity is fine. We are men and we are women. Uh, mm -hmm. It's our sexuality that's the difference. 
Now, with the real trans community, which is a very small portion of humanity who have gender dysphoria, it's their gender identity that is the deviation from the norm. But the hard part about the trans label is it has been completely co-opted. And there's about four different things running out there calling themselves trans and three of them aren't. And really the great divide is if you are a woke person or not a woke person. And it's the woke gays, the woke lesbians and bisexuals. It is the woke trans people. And pretty much all of these trans trenders and sexual predators calling themselves trans and all of these people who are queer, who are mostly straight, they are, you know, exclusively woke. You can find gays and lesbians and the real trans community all over the political spectrum from liberal to conservative to politically disengaged and anarchist. But these people only on the left and the far left. And they are constantly blurring the lines between our sex, our gender and sexuality. And Mel, you mentioned something a few minutes ago about being ostracized by people in the movement, people that were your friends because you won't take the stance um, that they take with transgenderism or whatever, whatever it is. And I find that interesting. And I think that's important for our listeners to hear and understand also that you are being oppressed within your own community. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, when you post something on uh, social media, uh, against the um, transgender movement, so to speak, versus, uh, and I mean, not the real transgender, but this new transgender movement, they they hate on you. You know, it's, it's all this rebuttal about, oh, you must hate, uh, you, well, I can't even believe that you're gay. How can you even be gay? You hate trans people. No, I don't hate trans people, but I don't believe that a um, you should be uh, giving chemical castration to a five-year-old. You know, maybe they can't drive, they can't go to the casino, um, they can't vote. So why in the world are they able to make life changing decisions about their body at age five? I mean, it just it makes no sense. And what they don't get is that they feel that it just takes away the person's or the child's ability to express. Well, it's one thing to express and to dress a certain way, but it's a different thing totally different when you're trying to put chemicals in their body and cut off body parts. Exactly. Which in itself is very scary. Actually, I'll give you an example. I don't, I don't know if you guys have seen this. It's, it's been all over the news. Um, and I want to say the case came from Midwest somewhere and the, uh, husband and wife going through divorce, the Supreme court ruled in favor of the mother who is a doctor who actually owns a, reaffirming uh, practice in California. So therefore he lost custody of his kids and the mom has already started and had started their kids on um, hormones for them to trans. And just because at one point the little boy uh, said that he liked a certain uh, outfit or something to some degree. Well, and that's how serious it's getting. I mean, this guy literally lost custody of his kids in a Supreme Court decision so that the mother can, in fact, apply this kind of medical treatment to her kids. And yeah. he has absolutely no say. I remember that, but I don't remember exactly where that was at. It was Texas and California. Okay. Uh, yes, yes, yes it was. Yeah. Of Save James, yeah. James, a.k.a. Luna. Yeah, thank you. Yep, that's correct. Yep. And that's just one of many. Yeah, that, that's scary, Mel, because, you know, I, I was thinking back, uh, for instance, 
my son is in the middle of uh, my two daughters, and there was a time where I can imagine someone seeing him playing with his sisters, playing with dolls and doing all these things that the his sisters were doing, and they might say, you know, make comments or think something, and it was never anything that ever crossed my mind. I never thought about it because I'm like, that's his sisters. They play together. Let them, let them play it out and let them do what they, you know, let them do what they will. Uh, if he ever grows up and he decides that that's the lifestyle that he wants, I'm going to love him because he's my son or my daughter. It's just going to be the same thing. Nothing is going to change. And, and I think that's the sad part about society is that uh, you lose family and you lose friends when, well, apparently you weren't really family. Uh, even though you're blood and you weren't really friends because you turned your back on someone. And, but I can see that kind of stuff happening. I really can. And it's, it's, it's a shame. Well, and you know, Harley and I talk about this a lot in spaces and I'm sure Booker has, has been there as well in that, um, you know, I grew up a tomboy, you know, um, I didn't come into my femininity until probably my late twenties, early thirties. And, um, you know, I, uh, pretty much uh, probably looked like I might be gay when I was younger, but I was just a tomboy. And I can't even imagine what that had been like for whatever reason, which I had very good faith in my parents that they would never do that. But to think that my parents would take it, the fact that I played with, you know, uh, Ken, the Barbie and the, and the Tonka trucks versus the Barbie doll, that somehow I wanted to be a boy and take me and put me through treatment to change my, my sex. I mean, I, I, to me, that's just astonishing to me. And I'm thinking, I'm glad that I don't live in that, that era. But, but again, that's the kind of thing. It's like, what happened to gay, dyke, lesbian? It's okay. I mean, or even femme, gay guy, it's okay. I mean, but they have blurred the lines where all of that's considered. And there's no, none of this, you can't just be a tomboy dyke girl anymore. You must be a boy if you're a dyke. That that's kind of how they they think. Absolutely. Let me share this about a very good friend I have. I'm going to call him my big brother. We're that close. And about 20 years ago, he and I had a conversation because he is a gay man, very long monogamous relationship. His partner passed away, and now he's in another very long relationship. In between, he and I had this conversation. He is a big homophobic person, and I couldn't understand why he felt the way that he felt. And I asked him one time, I said, look, Neil, if you were the luckiest guy in the world and you had sex seven days a week, and let's say that it lasted 30 minutes, that still leaves 23 and a half hours a day to define you as a person. And people aren't really looking at you in that way. So why do you look at yourself that way? So my question is to you guys, as we end this segment, how do we get back to a point where that sexuality is not a part of what defines people? I'll let Harley take that one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think if we all had the answer to that, we'd be already marching in that direction because I think a lot of us have had enough. I mean, at this point, enough is enough. And there's not just, you know, the gay, lesbian, um, homosexual question, but there's a strong sexual element to society no matter which direction we are working right now. And it's, I I think that we need to sort of tone it down. I don't think that 
flaunting sexuality in public, whether you're straight or gay or whatever, is really acceptable. And we should, mm-hmm. it, it should be returned to something that's intimate and beautiful between two human beings who love each other uh, versus, you know, a public display. Great point. But, but how do we get back there? Uh, you know, that's, that's the hard part. That's the part that I'm struggling with in, in society right now, because it seems like it is so dominated by this sexuality and this movement, this movement that we've been talking about for this half hour about uh, the LGBTQIAAA plus 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 that has hijacked the LGB movement. You know, how, how do we stop it? Is there a way? Is I just don't know. Well, you know, I think if there is a way, it's going to have to start with the media. And we know that's not going to happen. I mean, if you look way back, what what started way back? Every commercial was with a sexy female or a sexy man. Everything's been sexualized from the time I can remember as a child, right? So we have been ingrained and our brain has been um, learning this for a very long time. So they've just uh, exemplified it by a hundred times. And I don't know how we get back there. I don't know if, you know, even in media, I mean, the commercials that you see, it's just crazy how they want to even promote obesity in women because it's okay to be a big girl. Right. And so I don't know. I, I, I don't know where we go from here and I don't have a clue how we get it back. Harley, do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, I'm with you folks. I really don't have a very good answer for that. If I had the answer, I promise I would give it to you folks. But right now we are sort of staring into the precipice of the abyss. And if I could kind of take the conversation back a little bit, um, you know, speaking to this whole, we're even being canceled by our own people. And it's especially annoying when it comes from our allies who aren't gay and a bunch of people who are pretending to be gay is I, I'm going to tell you that even the woke gays who think we're oppressed, we're oppressed, don't support this transing of the children. In fact, they believe, uh, surprise, surprise, it's rooted in oppression and it's homophobia and people would rather have a trans daughter than they would a homosexual son. So they want to trans the gay away. This is what the woke gays believe. So even they don't believe it. Behind closed doors, they talk about it. But in public, they're scared of being canceled, being fired from their jobs and canceled by the mob and not allowed to be in gay LGBTQ spaces. So they don't say it in public, even though they know it's wrong and they don't agree with it. And that is really the most pressing thing is we're looking at a whole generation of children who are being absolutely destroyed. Their minds warped and in some cases their bodies warped. Uh, And then there's the horrific uh, realization that pedophiles are now trying to get on the plane and uh, sexualize children and say, oh, yeah, it's perfectly fine for a 35-year-old man to sleep with a five-year-old girl. Totally fine. Yeah, no, it's not. And with all that's going on, you know, a lot of poor children are going to be hurt, whether it's their mentality or surviving sexual abuse or having their body completely destroyed. And, you know, I'm going to sit here and say that any child that deviates from the norm is particularly vulnerable to this. We're talking straight cake bacon mama's boys and straight tom girls. We're talking about lesbian girls who are a little masculine and gay boys who are a little feminine and autistic children and people with body dysmorphia. They're all strong victims of this thing. And 
this is our next generation and we're wiping them out and it's just terrifying to me and that's where we need to start we need to save these kids before we can get anything else done this is priority harley harley and mel thanks a lot for being here and speaking your mind and i think both of you kind of hit on i believe what could be the motivation for all of us and that's our children our generations of americans in the future that we have to protect and maybe maybe that's it maybe maybe that's where we can turn this thing and swing the pendulum back to a little bit of conservative values yeah i agree with you thank you so much for having me i really appreciate it i wouldn't even say it's conservative values but um i would just say this is humane values the the eternity of your bloodline that we have been evolving towards since we first stood upright and i'll I'll end it with that Um, but i also really want to thank you for having me on here it was a pleasure and uh thank you for giving us a chance to voice our opinions and uh thank you to everybody who listened and please know that there are gays and lesbians and bisexuals and even real trans people who are on your side and care about your children as much as you do. You've been listening to Our Lives in Politics on the America Out Loud Network.